welcome to St. Louis in Tune. And thank you for joining us for fresh perspectives on issues and events with experts, community leaders, and everyday people who are driving change and making an impact that shapes our society and world. The show is co-hosted by Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston. We are recognizing the International Awareness Day of Human Trafficking. I want to read you a story from Columbia, Missouri, and then we're going to be listening to an interview with Shima Rastami, who is the executive director of Gateway Human Trafficking in St. Louis here. And their mission is to educate communities and inspire positive systemic change to end human trafficking. And one thing, Mark, there are people who educate about this. There are people who are on the front line workers. And I really see us as on our show, St. Louis in Tune, to promote these groups, what they're doing to get an awareness out so people know that there are people working on the front lines with this. There are people who are out educating other organizations and individuals and groups like that. But this story, this comes from Columbia, Missouri, back in May. Law enforcement agencies rescued nine human trafficking victims and two children during an operation at a Missouri hotel. The operation at the Holiday Inn East Hotel in Columbia, Missouri, resulted in two suspects also being detained. We're working every single day to make Missouri the most inhospitable state in the union to human traffickers, and last night's operation was another step towards that goal, said Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Participating agencies included the Columbia Police Department, Boone County Sheriff's Office, and the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Both children were under the age of 10, said a spokesman, and the law enforcement agencies released few other details citing the ongoing investigation. We know this stuff goes on right underneath our noses, and because of that, there is a group that deals with helping agencies, whether they be schools or social function groups or businesses, to understand a little bit more about what is happening with human trafficking. They follow a philosophy, prevention, protection, and prosecution. Mm -hmm. They want people to help communities see the hidden crime of human trafficking, and so that it's just not a single subject, oh, gee, we did that, we learned that, but they have different modules. They will do really some in-depth training on some things. And this group is the Gateway Human Trafficking Organization. They are, was grouped together, and Shima Rastami, who is the executive director, we had an opportunity to speak with her and interview her about that. Our guest today is Shima Rastami, who is the executive director of Gateway Human Trafficking. (laughs) She received her Bachelor of Science in Islamic Jurisprudence and Law at Tehran, Iran. She received her Master's in Criminal Justice at Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri, and her doctorate also at Lindenwood University. As I mentioned, she's the executive director of Gateway Human Trafficking and is a human rights and social justice activist who is involved in the prevention of human trafficking not only locally, but statewide, nationally, as well as internationally. She is spreading the word about human trafficking by educating communities and inspiring positive systemic change to end human trafficking. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, Shima. Thank you so much for having me. Give us a little more of your background and what was the real impetus for your involvement with human trafficking and what you've been doing? 
Sure. As you mentioned, I'm an international scholar here in the United States and Missouri. First, let me thank uh, the wonderful guests, United States and St. Louis, Missouri. It has been a wonderful community to host. And let me do the good work we are doing here to fight against human trafficking locally to help the community to improve the well-being of families and children in the area. Back in 2013, I came to the United States as an international scholar. As you mentioned, I received my master in criminal justice and law enforcement. And I was very interested in knowing the community and the culture. So I joined the American Red Cross of the greater St. Louis area as a volunteer. And I started providing help to families that they were losing their houses on fire uh, in the area. So my first mission back in 2014 was going to East St. Louis area and help families and children by providing them direct support while they lost their home and everything. In the and it was my first direct contact with vulnerable communities in the greater St. Louis area and get to know how bad human trafficking is in the area. And frankly, back then, and still so many people didn't believe and don't believe that how close human trafficking is to our local communities here. So when I graduated from my master's degree, I planned uh, to go to United Kingdom to continue my education in criminal justice. However, president of Lindenwood University at the time, back then, he got me... Uh, got my attention one day and told me, well, I really do believe that you need to come and continue your doctoral in education here because I think you are going to be a great educator, especially about social justice. And then considering what I felt and what I learned and what I observed within the community, especially concerning human trafficking, I thought that was the right direction. I would like to go to help the local communities and help to identify more victims and help the community to see the hidden crime of human trafficking. So I continued my education in the field of education by a purpose of learning more about human trafficking and develop programs to educate various communities about human trafficking and child exploitation. Wow. You've been involved with Gateway Human Trafficking for several years now. What exactly does Gateway Human Trafficking do, and who is the audience of Gateway Human Trafficking? Gateway Human Trafficking is a 501c3 or nonprofit organization that our mission is to educate communities and inspire positive systemic change to end human trafficking. So we educate various communities and our main focus is about those five top communities that based on human trafficking hotline data number they were points of access to potential help for victims so there is an important point i would like everyone considers about human trafficking and that's about the victims so victims of human trafficking very rarely may self-identify themselves as a victim due to trauma, due to coercion, due to fear uh, of law enforcement, the community, and the traffickers they are going through. So it really depends on the community around to identify their vulnerabilities and their situation. So based on the data from 
human trafficking hotline number. These five communities that I'm going to name have been the top four points of access to potential help for victims. So family and friends that we name them as the general public, law enforcement and criminal justice system, then health services, health service providers, and then child welfare system providers. Also, social media apps has been another source of getting help for victims of human trafficking. So here at Gateway Human Trafficking, our focus is to make sure these top five communities are aware about human trafficking to be able to identify and help more victims. We've discussed human trafficking on the show before. We, we mentioned sex trafficking, which I think most people that's what they believe. There's also forced labor and domestic servitude. But to get a baseline for listeners again, would you define what human trafficking is, really why it exists and who these victims are that we may not even see and might not even know about, but we are seeing them out in the public? Sure. That's a great question. Thank you for uh, mentioning this, that sex trafficking is not the only form of human trafficking is happening around us. Labor trafficking or forced labor is also huge. And I can tell you, if labor trafficking is not worse than sex trafficking, it's not less than sex trafficking. However, for many reasons that we, we are going to name perhaps in the show today, labor trafficking is not, is not being discussed in our communities or, or trained. People are not trained about that. They don't know how to identify that. And for some reasons, it's been always easier to speak or talk about sex trafficking. But generally speaking, human trafficking, whether sex trafficking or labor trafficking, is the use of force, fraud, or coercion, which coercion is usually psychological manipulation, to control a person for commercial sex or labor services. And it is very important to make sure that traffickers are using violence, threat, blackmailing, false promises, deception to trap vulnerable people in those trafficking situations and make profit from them. Meaning that none of these victims want to do these activities and they've been forced or coerced to do these type of activities. So that's why we call them victims of human trafficking. Who are the most vulnerable to be victims of human trafficking? There are various groups in our community that there are vulnerable to human trafficking. So the point is that for us to remember, traffickers are those people who have done their research, their study, and they know what are the gaps, considering the legal gaps, cultural gaps, society gaps, that make some people vulnerable to specific situations. And they are going to exploit people based on those gaps that created vulnerabilities for some people. For example, historically, children are vulnerable because they are voiceless, because they don't know who to trust, or they are getting manipulated. Then individuals with disabilities, due to their disabilities and vulnerabilities, are easily manipulated by traffickers. And unfortunately, usually they are not believed by people. Around then we have uh, minority communities, including immigrants, due to not knowing the culture, 
not knowing how to speak the language or what are their rights in the accepting country and culture might be vulnerable to trafficking situations. Then we have LGBTQ plus communities. We have African-American communities, Hispanic communities, Native American communities, to just name a few that are vulnerable to trafficking situations. We know that social media is a very prevalent thing in our culture and uh, internationally and can be a very positive thing, but also can be negative. What role does social media play in a negative way in human trafficking? I can name you two important ways that social media plays a negative role in the field of human trafficking. The first one is that traffickers are engaging social media apps and platforms to recruit victims. So as you mentioned, these days, social media is just so popular. Every day we have different apps coming up. And frankly, it is so difficult for all of us to just catch up with the new coming apps to the system, to the world. Uh, But we also are learning that people are using social media as a platform to express themselves, their emotions, their feelings, to communicate with the world outside. And that is exactly how traffickers trap them because they can identify who is vulnerable in what situation to what. And they are going to uh, manipulate them in order to recruit them. For example, so we know that teenagers would love to express themselves in many cases via social media. So as soon as a child is going to use a special social media app and post some special statements that, hey, I, don't, I hate myself, I don't like my parents, I just think I'm not beautiful, or these kind of emotional statements, immediately a trafficker who I believe, and there are reports that maybe they are even artificial intelligence, that they are looking for the statement, identify these users, and then they started sending the message that I think you're beautiful. I think that's okay. Your parents don't like you. I understand because when I was in your place, I was thinking the same way. So by these statements they are sending to them, they are trying what we call grooming them. And when the process of grooming starts, after a while, they are trying to reach out to them more and more and then directly start the trafficking process. And then the second negative role that social media is actually playing that actually we are providing the trafficking services to buyers. So the perfect example of that was that during the COVID-19 pandemic, out of a sudden, the whole world is shut down. And then we started seeing so many people started getting online. School closing, parents working at home. So many parents, caregivers even didn't know how to monitor kids online. So many kids out of a sudden had so many unsupervised hours using technology and online social media and apps. The user's engagement by online or via online technology increased and it opened up a great opportunity for trafficking activities to actually offer and sell services via online apps. I can tell you that during the COVID-19 pandemic, the trafficking in the name of or in the format of live streaming of victims increased drastically. 
So that's the second role, negative role that unfortunately social media and online technology play, which is engaging these platforms to offer the services of victims to buyers. My next question really deals with the statistics on human trafficking, and you answered part of the question as it relates to what has been going on with COVID-19, and you mentioned that there was an an increase in trafficking. When did stats start to be initiated about human trafficking, and is there any wavering up and down or any ever-flowing of that as it relates to things that are going on culturally? Obviously, COVID-19 is going to be one that impacts that, but have there been other indicators like that in the past? Absolutely. So the first thing we need to consider is about the data we have about human trafficking. The data and the reports we have about human trafficking, the number is not accurate. And the reason is because human trafficking is historically and traditionally an underreported or unreported criminal activity. Please don't forget that human trafficking is happening illegal activities, meaning that everything is happening under the table. It is very different from robbery, armed robbery, from drug trafficking or other crimes that it might be easier to track them down or find the victims or the criminal. It is very difficult, first of all, to find the victims and second, have the victims move forward due to trauma, so many bad experience they have and not trusting the system and law enforcement, they are not moving forward. So the data we have doesn't um, provide the big picture of the reality of trafficking in our community and in the nation and in the world, first of all. Then, I can tell you that regarding Missouri, we have data from National Human Trafficking Hotline number from 2007. Uh, Please be mindful that the only law we have, the only federal law we have regarding human trafficking was established just in 2000. Meaning before 2000, we even didn't have any federal law concerning human trafficking. So the field is pretty new field. So what I can tell you, the data from 2007 in the state of Missouri, we had total contacts of 3,844 contacts with the uh, hotline national human trafficking number as of uh, December 31st of 2019. We're listening to an interview that we did with Shima Rastami. She's the executive director of Gateway Human Trafficking. And actually, right now, they're having an event with their organization, Gateway Human Trafficking. And you can catch them. It's gatewayhumantrafficking.org. And she is really taking the mantle on of helping educate the St. Louis area in an understanding of what human trafficking is. Their mission, again, is to educate communities and inspire positive systemic change to end human trafficking. She speaks to a wide variety of groups. And their education modules, they have some modules. They they talk to, uh, and she's going to discuss this a little bit, talks about risk factors, talks about methods of force, fraud, or coercion, and points of access to potential help. So there, is, there are 
family and friends and law enforcement, health services, social media, child welfare systems that are some potential helps out there. And again, I want to remind people about the hotline, 888-373-7888, for the trafficking hotline, or you can text HELP to the numbers 233-733, which represents B-E-F-R-E-E, be free. So we will. We want to come back to that, but I wanted to uh, interrupt that. This interview goes about another 12 minutes, folks, so just want okay. you to be aware of that. And she, when she came over to the States from Iran mm-hmm. and came to Lindenwood University and was getting ready to go back, she was actually going to go to, I think it was, I can't remember exactly what she said, back to Europe uh-huh. or to England to get her doctorate degree, and she was convinced by the president of Lindenwood University, hey, you have a lot to offer this area, and we want you to continue in the focus that you're doing. I downloaded her dissertation, which is really on trafficking, and uh, it was very interesting. I haven't read all of it, but uh, very interesting. And she was really the one that got this organization going and is the one giving these particular events that are going on and providing a, a variety of resources that are out there. Matter of fact, this is Again, World Day Against Human Trafficking. They have some speakers. They have an assistant United States attorney right now uh, speaking to them. They have someone from the Overland Park Police Department, from the FBI task force speaking to them. So they have some really good kinds of things. She's also teaching a class at the University of Missouri-St. Louis that, that relates to this. So a very good organization. And what we're doing is we're just getting the word out related to this so that you can be more aware and more educated and find some resources within our community to be able to do your part because doing nothing is no longer an option. Right. No. You can't just sit there and do nothing. I just can't. Get involved. You have to get involved. I know you're, people get afraid and scared, and, but just get involved. You could even volunteer with a group like this. Oh, yeah. And oh, for sure. or give. They're they're a not-for-profit organization, just like many other organizations within the community who deal with this particular topic. So uh, they need your assistance oh, yeah. uh, as a volunteer. They also need your your financial assistance. So some things to think about. So we'll be right back after our break. We're going to then continue with the interview that we have with Shima Rastami. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We are continuing a conversation that we had with Shima Rastami, who is the executive director of Gateway Human Trafficking. And this is International Awareness Day of Human Trafficking. And we're doing a show about that to help educate you. And that's really what that organization does. There are other groups that work on the front lines. And I really see our show, Mark, and Mm -hmm. radio being individuals and groups and shows that promote these kinds of things to make people understand, hey, this is an issue out here. You need to be not only aware of it, but to take some action with some things. And even if you don't get to hear the whole show, I think there's other ways to hear it. But we're hoping that even a small part of the show impacts you enough, lets you become aware of it, so that all of a sudden you do 
say, oh, I, I need to pay attention, you know, to some of that. So here's our continued conversation with Shima Rastami, Executive Director of Gateway Human Trafficking. For anyone who may be listening, and we will also give those at the end of the show. Why is St. Louis such a hub for trafficking? You read about that, you hear about that, and I know there's many highways come through St. Louis. In your opinion, why is St. Louis a hub for trafficking? You're, you're exactly right, because St. Louis is located in a perfect location to just connect various activities. Highways are only one, in, um, interstate, interstate highways are only one perfect situation that actually makes the news a great place for traffickers to connect. Then we have so many other issues going on in St. Louis area that make it a perfect location to be a hub for human trafficking. So St. Louis is among the top 20 uh, cities in the United States being identified as a hub for human trafficking. So highways, as you mentioned, is one of those situations then in addition to lambert airport we have two commercial airports that make this place a perfect location for some activities then we have three of the best sport teams in the area the data and research has proven whenever we have a sport especially a special games going on in an area the trafficking acti activities increased around that day or a special occasion. For instance, we see that when we have some baseball games going on, trafficking around these areas increases because it is something we call tourism trafficking. Sometimes traffickers bring victims in suburban areas of St. Louis for those buyers coming around to having so-called fun over the weekend, so this is how it happens. But let me tell you also that concerning the highways we mentioned, it doesn't mean that necessarily we need uh, transportation happen in human trafficking, meaning that traffickers are trafficking the local people in suburban areas when buyers are actually passing our areas. For example, we had some cases in motels and hotels areas in St. Charles County. When traffickers were keeping local victims in those hospitality industries in St. Charles County for those buyers who are passing our area to provide them service for that time. So all of these situations have made St. Louis area a great location for trafficking activities to either exploit local victims or bring seasonal victims to the area for special events and occasions we have. Now, what kind of systemic changes need to be made to make a dent and diminish and extinguish human trafficking, not only here in our area, but statewide and nationally? That's a wonderful question, and there is a lot to do. For one thing is that concerning criminal justice reform movement we are talking about. Unfortunately, we still have many of the states that consider victims of human trafficking, especially um, victims of sex trafficking, as crime due to the prostitution activities they have done in the past. We need to make sure the community understands human trafficking victims are victims. They didn't want to engage in those criminal activities, so they are not criminals. 
they are the victims. And we need to make sure uh, the community helps to put the right laws in place to advocate for the victims. Then one of the other aspects is concerning labor trafficking and working children. So here is a technical issue I'm going to talk about, but it is easy. It's not anything difficult. In the law regarding human trafficking, when it comes to commercial sex or sex trafficking, any minor under the age of 18 considers who engages in commercial sex act is considered to be a victim of human trafficking. Meaning that law enforcement and prosecutors don't have to prove force, fraud, or coercion happened in case of minors under the age of 18. However, when it comes to labor trafficking, due to uh, Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, we have law enforcement and prosecutors need and have to prove force, fraud, or coercion happened in a labor trafficking case for minor under the age of 18, usually up to 12, meaning that working children between 12 to 18 are not covered and protected under Human Trafficking Protection Act, meaning that there are many working children could be protected as a labor trafficking victim, but however and unfortunately, they are not because we are lacking the law to protect them. And I can tell you from experience that working with many victims, um, the damage is caused on working children is not less than the damage is caused to children who are victims of sex acts. We need to do something about it. We really need to get together and resolve these working children issues. I have very uh, personal desire to do something for working children in America. Because before coming to the United States, I was thinking working children is a problem of South American countries. South African countries. I am shocked to see that in 2020, we still have working children in America. And trust me, they are not the children of over there. They are American children that are working under unacceptable situations and we can't do anything for them. So we need to make sure we are able to protect working children to receive more support and protection. That's really some good information that that you just gave. And are those laws or statutes that we need to change, are those local things or statewide that you're talking about? Both. So Fair Labor Standard Act is a federal law from 1938. As a matter of fact, it has some roots in the time of slavery. Then when it comes to the local level, for example, state by state, they have various numbers as a minimum age that a child can work. For example, in the state of Missouri, that minimum age is 14. But then we have some other laws or amendments to that law that allows even children younger than 14 work in special industries. For example, agriculture or family businesses or uh, permission of the parents of a child or those amendments even give the permission or make it legal for a child younger than 14 years old working in Missouri. Unfortunately, it is legal, 
but it's not right. So that's what makes it unjust. We have so many victims of working children situations that the interviews, the articles about them in Missouri and other places in the United States is online that your audience just can read about them, watch some of those videos on YouTube, that very bad situation is going on. And we need to make make a change, not only as national level, even as a statewide level, because these children really need protection. When we talk about human trafficking, trust me, I've seen so many cases that we see parents are selling their children. Because a parent give permission for her or his or their child or children work doesn't make it right. We just can't trust having these children go under unacceptable circumstances to work. Sometimes in some cases, the injury we have seen, some of these working children as a result of working excessive hours Sometimes 12 hours on a farm at the middle of hot summer, like yesterday, how hot it was. And these 14, 15, 16, even younger children are working like an adult on a farm field somewhere in our state. And it really causes so much harm, not only to physical body, but also to the cycle, to their uh, mental health. And that's why, as a community, we need to get together and once forever solve this situation. You mentioned the top five, family, friends, law enforcement, criminal justice system, health services, social media, and child welfare system. If any of those groups want to get more information, what should they do? If they are local or it doesn't matter, not local, they can come to our website, and in our website, which is gatewayhumantrafficking.org, so there is a link about take action. So they can invite us to speak for them. Our speaking is for free because we receive grants from local um, foundations and government institutions, so we provide education for them. We have volunteer opportunities, internship, and also there is another tab that we have resources. So they can review articles from our blog regarding various aspects of human trafficking, watch our videos and infographics. Also, they can register and participate in our free speaking series every month. Additionally, if they follow us on Twitter and uh, YouTube, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, they can receive information about human trafficking that we share regularly to educate communities. Uh, and professionals about human trafficking. I'd like to give that hotline number out again. The National Human Trafficking Hotline is 888-373-7888, or you can text HELP to 233-733, which is BE FREE. Text HELP to BE FREE. Shima Rastami, Executive Director of Gateway Human Trafficking, I want to thank you for coming on St. Louis in Tune today and talking to us. It's been extremely valuable and we'd love to have you back on a regular basis just to give us an update on what's going on as it relates to human trafficking in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you and your guests. By the way, don't forget to learn about human trafficking on July 30, which is World Day Against Human Trafficking. That's great. Mark, one of the things that she mentioned 
was these definitions, mm-hmm. the federal definitions, and when you talk about how you're trying to keep the traffickers, you know, how you're trying to prosecute them, the definition, I want to read the definition for labor trafficking, again, the federal definition, using force, fraud, mm-hmm. or coercion to recruit, harbor, transport, provide, or obtain a person for labor or services in involuntary servitude, debt bondage, or slavery. And then sex trafficking, federal definition, is commercial sex act act induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or which the person induced to perform such act is under the age of 18. So they have to meet those definitions to be able to prosecute and have the evidence to be able to charge them and then hopefully get a conviction of that. Right. And again, that website i want folks to check out the website it's uh, gatewayhumantrafficking.org gatewayhumantrafficking.org yeah and there are several other groups like uh, the, folks you can write these down the polaris project which oh, yeah. is a national group a crisis aid international mm-hmm. the, and what mark mentioned the gateway human trafficking there's the national human trafficking resource center right there's in locally here. There's the Covering House. A lot of people have heard about the Covering House, mm-hmm. or the Magdala House. These uh-huh. are groups that help uh, individuals coming out of uh, trafficking, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Something to be reminded about are there are other agencies that will help with legal assistance, right? Case management, medical and medical. Uh, excuse me, mental and medical health assistance, mm-hmm. or employment assistance, substance abuse treatment providing some housing assistance, interpreting, because many times some individuals may not speak the language very well, family reunification assistance and transportation. So if you think about being brought to the country with this goal of and promise of being working a job, making a lot of money so you can bring your family to the country, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're confined, you're coerced, you're recruited, you're transported, and now you have to take care of an individual's family or you're involved with uh, providing commercial sex for a trafficker or maybe you're working in a factory, you're working out in a field, and you don't speak the language very well. You're, you, and if you try to get out, maybe you run away. Right. You don't have – where do you go to live? Right. You're, where do you you're go? pretty much homeless. Right. Where do you go? Who helps you from there? Yeah, or if you're sick, what do you do? Yeah. And so – a lot of nonprofit or not-for-profit agencies are the ones that pick up the slack of what happens in our culture when people, my words, fall through the cracks yeah. and aren't supported by any other kind of agency. Yeah, because I don't think the federal government can do it very well. For no. Some, they just don't have the heart. <laughs> local, local government struggles to do things very well. I just, not to point a finger, but... Everybody thinks the city of St. Louis is the focal point for the homeless, and this is a regional problem. And we, if you live in the city like I do, you right. see county agencies bringing homeless down to the city, and everybody needs to do their fair share. And nobody likes to see encampments and, no. and thing, but it's a regional problem. New Life is a New Life uh, Evangelistic Center. They help people, so they're bringing people to them. They're bringing people down to some of the St. Patrick's Center, all of those. One woman got interviewed. She's from Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. Springfield, Illinois is about yeah. 180 miles that way. And there, I guess there's just no facilities in some of these towns. Which is very discouraging. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that you have to travel so far just to, to get help, and that sometimes is a problem, too. So we want to close out this segment on uh, talking about the International Day of Awareness for Trafficking with one PSA which talks about survivors. Human trafficking is slavery. And it happens all over America. Any child, any woman, any man could potentially become a victim of human trafficking. I am a victim of labor trafficking. I was victim of child sex trafficking, but now I own my body. Human trafficking is any kind of forced labor. It can happen to anybody. I am a mother. I am an author. I am a son. I'm an advocate. I am an educator. I'm a sister. I am a brother. I'm so much more than what happened to me. I am strong. I am brave. I am outspoken. I am compassionate. I am a survivor. I am a survivor. I am a survivor. I am a survivor. Survivor. I am a survivor of human trafficking. You know, now those, that's just the audio of the video. And some videos that I saw were actually, and they said actor or actress portrayal. That particular video are the people. And when you see that, Gosh. it's just, just it's devastating. But that they've come out of trafficking and are making something of their life, and many people don't make it out. No. And what strength it takes when you do come out to, to put it behind you and move forward and try to make a, oh, just your, your heart has to go out to them. If it doesn't, there's something wrong. That's all for this show, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can listen to additional shows at stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. And please consider leaving a review on Apple or Podchaser or your preferred podcast platform as your feedback helps us reach more listeners and continue to grow. Thanks to Bob Berthesell for our theme music and co-host Mark Langston. And we thank you for being a part of our community of curious minds. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. Remember to keep seeking, keep learning, walk worthy, and let your light shine. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.